You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, great grinning group who graze on grits and griddle cakes. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 151, and I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your dancing dreamers doing daring deeds and dispensing delectable data. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. And that was a listener submitted one. Ah. That's good. Because you can tell that's positive. It was positive. (laughs) Uh, Rachel from Minnesota, thank you. Outsourcing everything now. So I do this probably once a month. I go check our Good Job Brain mailbox, our P.O. <laughs> box. And uh, when I do it once a month, that means usually I get a big haul So don't of send stuff. us food. Something. No, yeah. <laughs> like, babies. No, no, perishables, rather. Yeah. No babies if you're, if, you're, if you're about to complete the order for the Omaha steaks, we really appreciate <laughs> it. But please there. don't. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. or email Karen immediately. Right, please. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Once we did get the grapes... The grapes yeah. were, but then I, but they, they, they sent it yeah. to like yeah. my work address. And then your so coworkers like, okay. ate them. Yeah. So we didn't get so, yeah. them. Were they good? Yeah, they did. <laughs> what? Uh, I was thinking like, I don't remember grapes. That was no, the yeah. great grape scandal. We just heard about how they tasted. <laughs> the cotton candy grapes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris, right. if it makes you feel any better, Chris, they were reportedly delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so in our mailbox, we got uh, Nicole Wingett, who was uh, the listener who wrote in and inspired our military episode. Mm. Um, she sent us some cool geocaching uh, pack tags. Ooh. And then uh, we received these uh, leather mustache keychain fobs. Yeah. Fobs. And, and they're personalized. It says GJB and then the mustache and then Ka- wow. well, Karen for me. Of- <laughs> well, yeah, mine says Chris for me. <laughs> yeah. I assume for me. Very cool. Mine says Dana. Very cool. <laughs> I'm going to guess Collins. Mine says Caleb. It's close enough. I don't want to rock the boat. And uh, there's a letter uh, from TJ who is the maker. He actually made these leather keychain fobs. And he has a small hobby shop, and he makes a lot of, like, cool steampunk and leather pieces. He included his Etsy shop link, and he's like, oh, you know, this is purely an FYI. I'm not looking for publicity. But you know what, TJ? These are so cool. We're going to give you publicity. Uh, his Etsy store is Owl versus Octopus. Yes. Oh. So it's Etsy.com slash shop slash Owl vs. Octopus. Uh, custom made straight razors and steampunk leatherware. Maybe he'll make uh-huh. you a, a good job brain mustache keychain if you yeah, ask nicely. Personalized with your name right, on it. Right. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, TJ, for these awesome gifts. Thanks, guys. And, uh, really flattered that you guys send us stuff. So we do pub trivia. Um, <laughs> yes. Sort of, yeah, I know, kind the, of fundamental the kinda, to, the, yeah, to the whole experience. So we were at pub trivia and they asked us a question. Now to be fair, they may have, they may have asked this in a way that I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure they asked us, in what country we find the world's fastest train? And I said, oh, Japan, because I had recently seen a video of them busting a speed record on this maglev Shinkansen train in in Japan. And uh Regina, my wife also on our team said, "No. Uh it's uh it's China." And Colin also said, "China." I did also think it was in China. Yes. However, I was like, "No, I've definitely seen this video and 
I was like, we, I really want to put Japan. So we put Japan. And the answer, as they gave it to us, was China. <laughs> and I felt properly chastised. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I mean, you know, we kind of moved on. I think we won anyway. I, so I completely forgot about it. And then recently, uh, I saw a news story that a maglev train in Japan, that's magnetic levitation, that's how it goes so fast because there's no contact, set a world speed record of 590 kilometers per hour. That's fast. Yes. The previous world record holder in December 2003 was this same train, uh, you know, operator basically at 581 kilometers per hour. And I was like, wait a gosh darn second. And I, I do some more reading and I'm like, it is in Japan. The fastest train is in Japan. Now, the, apparently the fastest consumer train line that's in operation between two passenger points, train passenger okay. train that you can buy a ticket and ride on yeah. is in china mm-hmm. but the when you say you the know, world's fastest the, train. when you say the world's fastest train you mean the world's fastest train <laughs> right yeah. it doesn't matter if yeah. it's a research or right. a test or a it prototype if the world's fastest car it doesn't matter if i can't drive it like it's the world's <laughs> yes. fastest two million dollars yeah. right but it runs on a test track in Japan that is basically built, you know, for solely for the purpose of testing these crazy, crazy trains. It's so funny that you 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 actually texted all of this. To I, once. Did, I sent a text yeah. message yeah. and then in all caps, yeah. 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 saying three a.m. Yeah, yeah, basically saying I was right. Just FYI, I was right. I like didn't Trivia even know what you were talking about. Yeah. So yeah. I was yeah. like, right, oh, okay, right. cool. Oh, yeah, Chris. I think the only <laughs> yeah, story, bro. I think that, I don't think Karen and Dana were there. It's Bader Minoff, and I'm like the fact that you're talking about this. And I got an email from a listener, a 13 year old listener, Nathaniel, and he says, "Hi guys, I've been listening to the podcast for about a year and have listened to every episode you guys have made." As a 13 year old. It is difficult to find people with whom I can nerd out about trivia. <laughs> and he goes, as such, I consider your podcast a godsend. However, I also love trains. And aside from some time in your transportation episode, they rarely get the time they deserve. Mm. To remedy this, I have written a quiz all about trains. So this question, this similar question that you just talked about in Pub Trivia is one of the questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way that he worded it. And okay. Just to give Nathaniel credit, he cited everything. Oh, nice. Wow. He cited uh, Show all your the work. facts. Show yes. your work. Um, so his question was, although it is widely known that the French TGV has set this record for highest conventional rail speed at uh, yes. 357 miles per hour, fewer people know the answer to the following question. What was the highest speed ever allowed on a high-speed rail train in regular scheduled service and by what country's railroad. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. there's a hint. Said the speed of the railroad has been lowered and the record is now jointly held by the E5 and the E6 Shinkansen and the German ICE3 and the French TGV POS. <laughs> Which, I think POS means something different in oh, French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the answer is China's rail network from 2008 to 2011 uh, had the highest allowed speed on some of the routes at 350 kilometers per hour. Nah. So the way that he worded it gave yeah. you enough information. Yeah. It is commuter. It is scheduled service. It's yeah. not just a test track. Right, but, yeah. right, right. There's yeah. there's a there's a huge difference between 
how fast can we get this thing to go, and how fast will we allow Allow a commuter service train to go. So there's some... Some yeah. train clarification. Thanks, Nathaniel. Yeah, thanks, Nathaniel. Thank you for yeah. writing a, a question that is unambiguous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good yeah. trivia question. A good yes. trivia question. A good trivia question is interesting and unambiguous. Yes, yes. and and has mm-hmm. enough context that you can maybe reason mm-hmm. it out. Um, and without further ado, uh, speaking of trivia, let's jump into our first general trivia segment: pop quiz, hot shot. Here, uh, what I do for this segment is I usually. I grab a random Trivial Pursuit card. Yeah. And return <gasps> of our good friends, Barnyard Buzzers. Yeah. Yeah. The other buzzers shorted out. Uh, so, so, <laughs> they yeah. started to go. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. like, I think you can hear it in some of the, our past episodes. It's like, ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> we, but they're old reliable. Yeah. We brought them Barnyard back. Buzzers. Yep. All right. Here we go. Oh, this is Genus 4 edition. Blue Wedge for people and places. What continent has the most nations with fewer than one telephone per 200 people? Dana. Africa? Correct. Uh It is Africa. Uh, Pink wedge for arts and entertainment. What question did Groucho most often ask on You Bet Your Life so even sure losers could win 50 bucks? Oh, what era what is this? He, this was oh. uh, 50s, I'm yeah. pretty so sure. What question would he ask so even sure losers could win 50 bucks? Yeah, what yeah. Uh, Chris. Is, is the Pope Catholic? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's kind of similar uh, in that, something like that Yeah, yeah, something There's a bear, poop in, the a bear poop in the woods. <laughs> um, the Who question is, it? who's buried in Grant? Oh, oh, okay. oh. Yeah, but... Turns it's out it's a trick question. Have we have we done this on the have we ever talked about this in the show? I think so. How how that trick yeah, question works. I think we yeah. did a long time ago. Did, yeah. Nobody. Nobody's buried in Grant's tomb. Because it's a tomb. A tomb is yeah. above ground. Yeah. yeah. Grant and his wife are entombed. Yeah. In <laughs> yep. Oh no, it's not a grave. Grave is underground. Yeah. Tomb right. is up. Yeah. Oh, right, I know right, that. Right, right, right. Well then they all shouldn't have won fifty yeah. bucks then. Nathaniel, <laughs> that money back. I, I want Nathaniel to try that one on the on the, the schoolyard. <laughs> yeah, with the, the schoolyard. With the, with the if anybody if anybody is like, oh, interesting, be their friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yellow ad for history. What Alfred Lord Tennyson poem describes the bloody battle of Balaclava? Oh, that's uh, Colin. That's the charge of the Light Brigade. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Brown wedge for science and nature. What class of animal did dinosaurs belong to? What class? A uh, Chris? Uh, birds? No. <laughs> what class of animal? I mean, are they reptile? Reptile? Oh, is it that? Oh, yeah, I don't know what level of specificity class is. Yeah. Okay, reptile. Yeah, but that's that's changing, seems, right? Isn't that evolving? Very... Yeah, that's true. Well, we don't know. When dinosaurs are close to birds. Yeah. Not to. Re- I always thought they were reptiles. They're close they to, to they birds. They say they're close yeah. to birds. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Actually, if I may go off on a tangent, did you hear that we got? Did you hear that we got Brontosaurus back? Yeah. Oh, because Brontosaurus was they're they're saying it wasn't a real dinosaur. They, they were saying yeah. it wasn't a, a real dinosaur. Yeah, but now they're saying nope, J.K. It was a real dinosaur. <laughs> so you can we can finally talk about okay. Brontosaurus. Yeah. Again. All right. Well, Maybe we'll get Pluto, Pluto back. back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you never know. <laughs> and uh, Triceratops. I think Triceratops. Yeah, Triceratops yeah. got kicked out. Yeah, All are. I mean, out. oh, yeah. Green Wedge for Sports and Leisure. What bottled water was first owned by the British, then the French, and finally the Swiss? Oh, oh. oh. 
Dana. Is it? Uh, there are two that I'm thinking of. Which? Avion? Yeah. Incorrect. No. Oh. Are you? oh. You have a guess? Wait, it's not Evian? That was, my, that was what I was going to guess. One. It's uh, not Perrier. Oh, um, it is Perrier. Perrier. It's owned by the Swiss now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're what? so shocked. How, th- how, how dare, dare they? they? I thought I was supporting France by yeah. drinking Perrier. Uh, you know how like Swiss have like the watch swatch? Uh-huh. Yeah. They should call it a swatter. Swarier. Think of Avian backwards, naive. Right. Oh, it is. <laughs> my, right. my dad loves oh, yeah. that. My that's dad, a, you know. Recess yeah. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question. Wild card. What does C-SPAN stand for? And for our uh, non-American uh, listeners, C-SPAN is the channel that plays government stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 I I think it's like congressional session public access, something like that. Network? No. no. Oh, oh mm. network is right. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I assume is, the is, end is, is network. public access network. No, nope. no. Uh, public is right. Public. public, public. I mean, their their mission is to show like What's government in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. All right, we're not going. What is it? Yeah. What is it? Cable, satellite, public affairs network. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Good job, brains. Oh, wow. this is a yeah. Back to back to genus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woo. All facts were true at the time of the printing of that yes. card. Yeah. Just to head off any, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today's episode, number 151. And of course, when deciding what theme we're gonna, what topic we're gonna talk about, I was like, oh, haha, 151, like the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so we just <laughs> went with the alcohol. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> 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 That's that how easy. it works. Yep. It's our second one. First episode. First episode uh-huh. was alcohol yep and now we're back yeah 150 episodes later on episode 151 Mm -hmm. uh, it's alcohol again i don't know when was the last time you guys listened to the first episode (laughs) it's it's no i don't want to go back and listen to it because i'm scared of what i will find there no the content of it was strong we just weren't as polished you know yeah our chemistry was there (laughs) right um, I think maybe we just weren't that comfortable. Yeah. But like, it's it was funny. Time. I know. We, yeah. we did talk. The sherry animal was like, super <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about, yeah, the, the, the crazy seagull wine. Um, <laughs> but now we're back. Well, let's, you know what? Let's do it again. This time with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol yeah. part two. Woo! Alcohol, my permanent accessory. Alcohol. I will start us off here. Uh, if you guys know one thing about me, mm-hmm. it's that my name is Colin. Oh, yeah, that was right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Once you start getting into like numbers two through five, you know, somewhere on there will be Star Colin Wars. likes beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Star, yeah. Wars. Yeah. Star Wars as well. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. You know, I could live with that. If the only takeaways were Star Wars and beer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. there are worse things to be affiliated that's with. A, that's a nice Saturday afternoon. And then the last two are like, 
sports and cats. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. LA, LA Lakers. Yeah, uh-huh. and cats. And cats. Yeah. And Star Wars and, and beer. And wow, Colin. And his name good. is Colin. So wow. that's five. That's yeah. five. All right. So if you guys ever need a replacement, that that's the resume, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. I put together a quiz about beer for our alcohol episode. Now I've tried to you know keep in mind because I like beer maybe more than the rest of you. I've tried to make this a little more accessible for the general. Okay. Uh, good. Okay. The general audience. Okay. Uh, not to say there won't be some tricky things in here. So okay. get your beer caps on. These will be questions about <laughs> history, names. Yeah, your foam dome. Get yeah. on your foam mm-hmm. dome. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll start off with what I hope is a fairly easy one. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. Here we go. Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> it feels weird in the yeah. hand. Reunited. So good. Among the popular types of beer on the market today are many styles of IPA. What does IPA stand for? No idea. <laughs> Chris. India Pale Ale. India oh. Pale Ale. Yes. And Chris, do you know, does anyone take a stab? Well, why is it India? Why, why the India in India Pale Ale? This, this is a good beer trivia one. Do not know. Isn't that where they grow it? Is not where they grow it on the beer trees of India, no. <laughs> on the <Yeah>. beer trees. <laughs> um, is the India describing the color? The India is describing where it was being shipped to oh. from being brewed in Britain. Really? It was okay. at the time when there was a large British presence in India, yeah. in particular the East India Company, uh, and they were shipping copious amounts of pale ale. So pale ale, it was and is a style of beer, yeah. uh, and it happened to be particularly popular out, out in the field. Uh, the crispness of it, they say, because it's awfully hot out wow. in yeah. India in many parts. So how is it different than a normal pale Ale. Well, so so here's where it's kind of the the, the truth and the the myths about IPA of come course, in. So course. so a very common story about IPA is the the reason it's so hoppy and it and it is a hoppy beer compared mm-hmm. to other beers is that it needed to be hoppy to survive the long trip oh. without refrigeration yep. from Britain all the way out into stations in India. That that is true to some extent. The fact that it being hoppy did make it survive the trip a little bit better. But the pale ale was already a hoppy type beer. It happened to just be popular there, and the name started to get attached to it. Mm. It did get a little bit hoppier as they were shipping it out there, but it is also true that at the same time, they were sending other types of beer all around yeah. the world as mm. well. Um, <laughs> and Pale Ale, just in particular, it happens to it, – it matures nicely. So, like, it was a good beer to choose for a long j- trip. Mm. So, like, it was nice and tasty by the time it got there. The fourth largest city in the Czech Republic – Lends its name to this type of golden-hued beer. Oh, Chris Pilsner. Yes. Nice. Wow. Chris dropping the beer knowledge. Yeah. He's good. He's good. does know a lot about beer. Apparently, named yeah. after Pilsen in what is now the Czech Republic. Yes, uh, been brewed there since the 1840s. It's yeah. their their claim to fame. Um, Pilsner Urkel, if you've ever had a yes. Pilsner Urkel, yeah. that's sort of the original. Like that that company, uh, the name came later, but that that concern is sort of the oldest ongoing right. Pilsner brewer. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they're quite proud of it. And I like a Pilsner. It's nice and light, good summer beer. True or false? A brown beer bottle will keep beer fresher than a clear beer bottle. Karen. True. It is true. (laughs) Well, because light, right? Yeah. 
light, specifically UV radiation. It's the UV that if you get too much UV in your beer, it triggers a chemical reaction, which causes what we call skunkiness. Like Ah. if you have a beer, like a skunky flavor, Mm -hmm. the the number one overwhelming cause of that is UV triggering a reaction Mm. uh, in the beer. And in fact, the compound that you taste, it's not the same, but it is actually very, very close to actual skunk spray. Yeah, Yeah, it's not. It's not just called that as coincidence. Yeah. So the darker the glass, the less UV gets through, and the better the beer tastes. So you might ask, well, why doesn't every beer come in a brown bottle then? Yes. Because marketing. Oh, yeah. Brand- I was going to say branding. Yeah. Branding. Some become skunky, like Corona would become skunky. The, the beers that become the skunkiest are in the clear bottles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy Corona. I'm not yeah. slamming them, but Corona does have a reputation for being a skunky beer. But, um, but like, that's if you leave... Your beer out in the sun. You really don't. It really does not take a lot of UV. It does not take a lot. It can be, you know, otherwise fresh as far as the distributor and the, the, you know, wherever you're buying it are concerned. Green bottles are not nearly as effective as brown as well. Even green bottles will let in enough Mm -hmm. UV. Yeah. Again, another beer kind of known for their skunkiest is Heineken, Heineken? which Uh, the trademark green bottle. Yeah. All right. We'll still, we'll stick with the beer delivery systems here in 1958. The Hawaii Brewing Company pioneered what breakthrough in beer delivery? Chris. The pull tab or pop top. Nope. Not nope. the pull tab. <gasps> not the pop top. Mm, what delivery. year was this? 1958. I will say you're in the right ballpark. But, okay. but oh. Chris. Is it the can? It is the first aluminum oh, can. Oh, yeah. The okay. first aluminum beer can. Yeah, there had been beer in steel cans before that and bottles. Mm. So the Hawaii Brewing Company, they wanted to do something special to mark Hawaii's impending statehood in 1959. Uh-huh. And they also, being so far out there, needed a way to save on some materials. And they, you know, like aluminum was a lot cheaper to get over there than steel because it's lighter. Mm. So they came out, you know, with the first all aluminum can for uh, Primo beer to celebrate. And it was, by all accounts, a disaster. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a yeah. hit. They had a special lining for the can that I guess it didn't, um, it didn't coat the, the inside of the cans well enough. Uh, so they had like over 20,000 cases of spoiled beer. Oh. And so now, and also keep in mind that like in, in the fifties, like when you get a can of beer, there's no pull tab, there's no pop top. You're opening it with a, with like a, a, like a, a church key, you know, like you got to yeah. punch a hole and then punch a little air hole and then pour it out that way. Like yeah. you're opening a can of motor oil or something. Yeah. And so part of the problem with yeah. their cans in the way they were designed, if you could actually uh, punch through the side of the can and get beer all over yourself. It was yeah. it was a which, disaster. I mean, which we'll do on still purpose do in now. college today. Yes, if you're, yeah, if you're right, not careful. Yeah. Uh, the next year, uh, the Coors Brewing Company successfully introduced <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the permanent the first successful. Yeah. Yes, they were beer so can. close. They I know. Were so That's close. why I haven't heard of Primo beer. It is funny though the the pull tab uh, and then the push tab and then so I learned about the push tab, which was literally it was a flap you would push in with your finger into the can right and then proceed to Thus cut yourself slicing yeah my beer tastes like pennies beer drinker's finger beer drinker's finger right <laughs> i've got nine more before it's a problem i like a good hefeweizen <laughs> okay professor <laughs> uh 
Hefeweizen, <laughs> German, <laughs> German, two words. Are you wearing your Lederhosen? <laughs> <laughs> you do it better than I do. Hefe and Weizen. Mm-hmm. What does okay. either of those words mean? Oh, either? And I'll give you two points for both. Chris. Is it, is it, so Weizen is white. Right. Weizen is is often um, aligned with the white beer, but in this case, in Weizen, this case, no. W-E-I-Z-E-N. No, oh, it's, is, it, uh, is it wheat? It is wheat. Okay. Yes, oh, okay. wheat. And the wheat beer uh, yeah. is a, a Weizen or a Hefe Weizen. Right. Don't you call like a crime boss like an El Hefe? Yeah. Not related. Okay. Not related. Yeah. Yes, you but do. That's different. that's Spanish. This yeah. is German. Yeah. How is yeah. a Hefe? It's like cow wheat. Like a... Hefe means yeast, oh, and the okay. yeast is what makes a hefeweizen cloudy. Oh, it's oh, the unfiltered, yeah, sure. it's the unfiltered yeast particles in Got there. It. So, so yeast- a hefeweizen is an unfiltered wheat beer. Yes, yeast, yeast, wheat. yeast, wheat, yeah. yeast, wheat. Yeast wheat. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's also uh, crystalweizen, which you can probably guess what crystalweizen is. Yes, yeah. filtered. Oh. That's cool. Clear. Who has real crystals? <laughs> I cut up my tongue. It's a fancy beer. Yeah. Last one. Here we go. Founded in 1829, this is America's oldest brewery. Still in operation. Uh, Chris. Yingling. It is Yingling. Well done. Yes, the uh, DG Yingling and Son, very popular in the eastern part of the country in particular, based in Pennsylvania. Um, Yeah, yeah, oldest continually operating brewery. And recently, this is very controversial, uh, the Brewers Association, which tracks uh, beer sales for craft beers and microbreweries, they recently revised their rules about what counts as a craft brewery. Uh-huh. Yeah. And with the changing of the rules now, Yingling is now technically their number one craft brewer in All the right. country. Oh. Now, congratulations. I mean, <laughs> yeah, congratulations to Yingling. They, uh, they uh, toppled the uh, Boston Brewing Company makers of Samuel Adams. Uh, Wait, that counts as craft? Yes, yes. Technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the traditional definition of a craft beer was small, independent... Oh, okay. <laughs> and traditional, tradi- like meaning traditional oh. brewing style. Right. So they relaxed the rules on size and they relaxed the rules on traditional brewing style. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It yeah. doesn't even have to be beer anymore. Yeah. 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 Hershey's, Hershey's chocolate milk is number one now for some reason. Yeah. It's a little loose if you ask me. Yeah. They are independent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well done. <laughs> I, I now want a beer. Um, Although I wanted one when the quiz started, too. So it probably has nothing to do with it. Good job. Thank you. So I am not a big alcohol person. I'm not a big beer person. I'm not a big wine person. Mm -hmm. Mostly because I might. For beer, I wish it was soda. For mm-hmm. wine, I wish it was grapefruit. juice. Okay. Like, All like right. you know, I'm just yeah. not. Yeah, but, yeah. but the thing is... Wine uh, coolers are your jam? I like wine coolers. Yeah. yeah. I like... Zima? I, Zima? I, <laughs> more of a Zima girl. I like alcohol that tastes like soda. Yeah. Or juice. Right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even not have the alcohol part. Just give me juice. <laughs> but I love the culture of alcohol and the tradition and the history. And I mentioned this in our first episode that I was playing a video game, Elder Scrolls V <laughs> Skyrim, uh, where you, it, it's kind of Nordic in setting. You can go to like meaderies mm-hmm. and mead is a, uh, fermented drink using honey. And so you can like go to these beehive meaderies and stuff in in the game. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds so cool. I want to make mead or whatever this honey fermentation beer kind of thing is. And I I got really into 
mead brewing, it, it makes me think of like Robin Hood or like medieval times where people drink mead at the yeah. tavern. I just, that kind of stuff is so cool to me. The fun part about getting into mead culture is all the variants and the names. And here I have, um, I'm going to do a half quiz, half discussion. I have these really cool old Englishy Norse or uh, Welsh words to describe different types of mead. Mm. Okay. And so mead, uh, the, the M-E root is, is like miel in French. It's, it's honey related. Ah. Yeah. Um, but the different variants, if it's, for example, if it's an apple mead, so with honey yeah. and apple juice, it is called a sizer. Like Not a cider, a cider mm-hmm. but sizer. Ah. C-Y-S-E-R. And so oh, all these okay. variants is honey plus some other ingredient okay. equals this other name. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So if Sizer is blend of honey and apple juice fermented together, what is a perry? <laughs> uh, it's a pear. Pear, yes. Yeah. Pear yeah. and honey. A piment, P-Y-M-E-N-T, sounds very old-timey. It does. Piment mm-hmm. is a honey and grapes. Huh. So it's like, a, guess. it's like a wine yeah. uh, plus plus mm-hmm. honey. So what do you think oxymel is? Mel being the honey the base. The honey, yeah. okay. Oxymel. Ox, uh, like O-C-C-I? O-X-Y. Oxymel. Oxymel. I mean air. Yeah. Doesn't, yeah. like, the oxy is like acid, I think, right? The roots. So something mm-hmm. acidic, like lemon. Historical mead recipe and oxymel is blending honey with wine vinegar. Oh, huh. whoa! So coming from so it really is vinegar, honey, acid, honey, and that's a that's a drink in itself. This is one of my favorite words. A mellow mel, mellow uh, mel melon, uh, melon is uh, just honey and fruit, any oh. kind of fruit. A braggot, <laughs> braggot, also known as bracket. Hmm. Braggot and bracket. You'll probably like this, Colin, because it is honey and malt. Oh, I'll try that. With or without hops. So really, it's beer brewing with honey in the use of fermentation. Hmm. Um, Very, very cool. And a black mead. Black mead. Okay. Don't overthink it. Something like roasted, maybe? like Blackberry. Black currants, uh, blackberries. Black yep. Uh, yep. Very specific. Black currants is black mead. An acerglin, which I've made before. Acerglin or acerglin. Acerglin is a mead made with honey and maple syrup. Ooh. Oh, that does sound good. Two sugar sources. <laughs> and also a lot of these sugar sources, uh, the juice, it really depends on the fruit because after fermentation, they might taste completely different. Yeah. Um, so I made a grapefruit, uh, mm. mead before. And I love the taste of grapefruit, but after fermentation, that bitterness from the rind oh. and the, yeah. the oils really come out. So it's like the IPA of mead, yeah, is what yeah, you're it saying? Is. It was very bitter. <laughs> oh, so I modified uh, the recipe next time to include, um, instead of grapefruit, I use pomelo or pomelo, oh. which uh-huh. is a milder grapefruit. And I made sure I had no rinds and mm. I used that juice. And that had the nice grapefruit flavor. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of mad scientists uh, going on when you're, when you're into homebrew. Okay, this one is interesting. I've never ever had this or want to try this. Okay. What what do you think a caps capsicumel? Oh, a spicy it's gotta one. be spicy. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. mead flavored with peppers. Mm. They can be mild I, okay. peppers. I'm curious. Yeah. I would try that. I would but try I that. If you after fermentation, like, would it still be spicy? 
don't well, know. I mean, spicy things generally just get spicier over oh, time, God. right? I don't know. Um, another big kind of a, a sector of meat is the methaglin. And methaglin uh, sounds very fancy. Uh, and methaglin is basically meat plus herbs or spices. Mm. So a ginger mead would count as a methaglin. I've used tea for mm. tannins before. Um, mm. Nutmeg, coriander, or like uh, just leaves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the Welsh word meaning healing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they used to drink a lot. I mean, I guess this was a... Uh, like, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> and one last one. This is fun. What do you think a rhodomel is? Rhodomel. Rose. Rhodo- rose water? Rose. Rhodomel rose. is made from honey, uh, rose hips or res- rose petals or rose mm. or any part of rose is a rhodomel. So yeah, these are great, great names I want to share with you guys. Uh, reading these books and recipes are just so fun because they're all derived from like a really, really old recipe. And That's passed awesome. down mm. and, and you can have room like me who would try out, uh, different recipes. Sometimes they fail. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, they taste good. So there you go. Some cool mead words. So we actually, uh, serendipitously, we just got back from Napa. We were in wine country. You and your wife. Something, yeah, not us, not us. Yeah, not us. Yeah. We could, though, if we, we want, could. if you guys really want to. I wanted, wasn't yeah. invited. <laughs> we, Did you guys all go? My family and I just got back from Napa. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, it being wine country, um, we, I did, in fact, encounter something up there, uh, and learn, I learned something. Oh. Um, we were at a, um, we were at a place, uh, a, I don't even know how you describe it. It's a sort of a resort spa type thing called Meadowwood. Meadowwood is in, uh, St. Helena, California. Walked around in, in downtown St. Helena and uh, downtown St. Helena is very small. <laughs> uh, and we got to the end of it pretty fast. And right as you get to the end of what is clearly the, like the two block stretch of where <laughs> the things are, there's a little sign that says, uh, St. Helena Public Library and Robert Louis Stevenson Museum. Hmm. Oh. Uh, pointing us sort of down the road. We don't really know. So, like, is this walking distance or is this we're going to drive on the highway to get there? Like, yeah. but we, so we turn around and as it turns out, it's, it's right, you know, it's right kind of off the, the, uh, the beaten path there, the public library and a little outbuilding next to it, the Robert Louis Stevenson Museum. Huh. That he, he huh. of course, being the author of Treasure Island and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And uh, clearly we had to go. So we walk over there. The, there's the library, which was not open, but the museum, which was very much open. There was nobody in there except for the, <laughs> the, the nice uh, lady running the museum who welcomed us with open arms. And, uh, she very quickly I- impressed upon us as soon as we got in there. This is the largest <laughs> and, <laughs> and truly definitive Robert Louis Stevenson Museum. <laughs> are there other ones? <laughs> they, uh, I, you know, if there are, they're not as good as oh, this one. Okay. okay. This one has, all I have to say is this. They have Robert Louis Stevenson's baby hair in this museum. <laughs> his baby curl <laughs> that was preserved by his parents and in a little, yeah, a, a lock of his baby hair. Wow. Okay. That is how thorough they are <laughs> at the Robert Louis Stevenson Museum Wait, hold on. in Napa. Is he from there? Why is it there? Oh, oh let me tell you oh, all okay. about it. Okay. Because the first thing that they, that they tell you in the museum that Robert Louis Stevenson, who was Scottish, he was born in Scotland. Mm-hmm. He died in Samoa, actually. They had moved to Samoa. They, the first thing they do is establish the connection. Why are you here? Why is this here? The connection between Robert Louis Stevenson and Napa wine country. And it is a very interesting oh, story. Oh, so it is connected. It is connected. Okay. There's a connection. Okay. So before they, before they even get into 
his life, they first tell you why it's <laughs> Oh, good. Yes. So all this takes place uh, while Robert Louis Stevenson is uh, in his 20s, penniless, and not in any way famous. Okay. Still not really sure what he's going to do with his life. Um, it is 1876-ish. The, the place is Paris. Robert Louis Stevenson is bumming around Paris. Uh, he meets a woman. Her name is Fanny Vandegrift Osborne. Oh. <laughs> uh, she is American, and she is super cool. Uh, she is ten years older than him. She has two kids, and she's married. So, of course, hmm. the two of them fall madly in love. She's, like, separated. Her husband is back in San Francisco, California at this oh, point. okay. Mm-hmm. She's left. She's left him with the kids, because they're not, you know, things aren't going so well, but they're not divorced. And she isn't sure what to do. Either. Mm. Mm. So she moves, she goes back to San Francisco. Robert Louis Stevenson follows her a few months later to San Francisco. And eventually they get their respective things worked out and she does divorce her husband and gets married to Robert Louis Stevenson. They go on a honeymoon and they decide to go to Napa. They go up from San Francisco up into wine country. Now, at this mm-hmm. point, it's not really wine country. It's not Indian country. It's the, it's just the wilderness. The hills. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. They're, they're, they're taking, they're, they're, they're not going to the big city on their honeymoon. They're going up into the, into the sticks. Nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. nature. The fresh mountain air. And they, and they actually did start out by staying at a, a, a hotel, but it was too much money. Because remember, mm-hmm. they have no money. Right. Yeah. They were in the area that is known kind of now as Silverado. This is, this is a tangent. Do you know why? The area known as Silverado, because there's the Silverado Trail in Napa where a lot of the wineries are. Do you know why, uh, that area is called Silverado? Silver? Or, or why any area that is called Silverado is called Silverado? Because there's silver in it. Because there's silver in it. But what's the, where's, what's the auto? Colorado, hmm. or is it like Desperado? Silver, <laughs> silver. I mean, is silver colored? If it's it like a, a corruption. Of- oh man, it is. No, it's <laughs> it's nothing that it is nothing that uh, elegant. It is actually ridiculous, and and I love this. El Dorado, mm-hmm. Spanish yeah. for um, the, the golden, golden one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there was ever a gold mine somewhere, they might name that town El Dorado uh, because of the gold mines. Yeah. And so. In so Americans, El Dorado is the you know the place yeah. where the gold is. They learned so that Spanish word. They, ju- they yeah. learned that Spanish word, and then they misapplied it. Uh, they did not and learn so where the word silver, silver. <laughs> right? Where the silver mine is? Yes, exactly. Instead sure. of calling it Argentina, yeah. they called it Silverado. <laughs> El Dorado, Silverado. Argentina sure. is named after silver. silver. Yeah. Oh, Argent. Argent. Right. Oh yeah. my god. Right. Right. <laughs> but they didn't know that. So well, I didn't know that either. So, well, so yeah. if El Colorado is where the gold mine Colorado. is. Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> Nicolato. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So that is where, that is what Silverado is. It is just not quite getting the concept. Fake but there's silver there. It's Spanglish. There is, or there was. I mean, it was, you know, people were going out to California and trying to, you know, thinking, you know, there's gold in them, our hills. It's the 1800s. They're yeah. mining, you know. And anyway, people had gone out to that area, Silverado, and mining silver. Uh, and then the silver dried up, or maybe there wasn't any, and they all left. Um, and that is when uh, Robert Louis Stevenson and his new wife come in and realize that, wait... There's this abandoned silver mine area here, and there's a whole abandoned house that is dilapidated and run down. We'll squat. Squat. We'll squat in the house. (laughs) So they slept on hay, and they scavenged what they could as far as, you know, building fires and, you know, In what was essentially an abandoned house. An abandoned house in a silver mining (laughs) camp. 
Um, and we have all the details of what they did because Robert Louis Stevenson wrote it all down in his travel oh. memoir called The Silverado Squatters. <laughs> okay, okay. What is really interesting about the book The Silverado Squatters, besides everything I've already mentioned, <laughs> yeah. is that he actually, they spent two months on their honeymoon basically doing this, and they actually spent a great deal of time learning about Napa wine which uh, at that point he describes as being a very experimental enterprise. Hmm. Like, hmm. Americans didn't want to drink American wine. Uh, they they want to drink yeah, yeah. Have fancy. So they were actually, apparently they were exporting a lot of the Napa wine at that point to other countries. Hmm. And of course, nobody would ever say, you know, in polite society, that they thought that American wines were as good as French wines. Right. Right. Yeah. right. But Robert Louis Stevenson really liked the Napa wines that he was drinking. And famously, in this book, he described the wine business. And he actually, he compared it to mining. Wine was like mining. So this is what he said. The beginning of vine planting is like the beginning of mining for the precious metals. The wine grower also, quote unquote, prospects. One corner of land after another is tried with one kind of grape after another. This is a failure. That's better. A third best. Those loads and pockets of earth, more precious than the precious ores, that yield inimitable fragrance and soft fire. Those virtuous bonanzas, where the soil has sublimated under sun and stars to something finer, and the wine is bottled poetry. These still lie undiscovered, but there they bide their hour, awaiting their Columbus." The smack of Californian earth shall linger on the palate of your grandson. Wow! He nailed it! He, right? Right? <laughs> he nailed he it! Told, he yeah. was pretty up on the, uh, the the prospects, as it were, for the future of, of Napa wine. Well, because was, California yeah. wine didn't become a pop culture thing until, like, the 1970s That's and right. 80s. He was, a, he was a very early believer. Wow! Yeah, but it made that very bold prediction that, like, this is going to be the good stuff once they once they figure out, you know, how to do it and what kind of grapes and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Who knew he and was I, a wine I know. I think he was onto <laughs> something there. I think uh, it's going to catch on. Um, and and if, you, if you go to Napa, there is a gigantic sign that says, well, Welcome to the Napa Valley, and there's a, like a, part of that sign has in big, bold letters, the wine is bottled poetry. Ah. Robert Louis Stevenson. Yes. Yes. And then he never went back. Oh, really? Oh, he never really? went back. No, it was just this very brief, two months in Napa, and then they never went back. In the yeah. shack, and then that mm-hmm. was it. They went very many other places, and as I said, he was in Samoa, uh, the, the, mm. the end of his life. Yeah, mm. I love the the star, the sun and stars part. Of those oh, it was oh, such yeah. good writing. Yeah, he's well, some, remember, and, some kind yeah. of writer, right? 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 <laughs> he's gonna go places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a, a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. You're listening to... Good job, brain. Smooth puzzles. Smart trivia. Good job, brain. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job, Brain. And this week we are talking about alcohol. So I think in our weird plant, our plants are so weird episode, um, Colin talked about a book by Amy Stewart. Wicked plants. Wicked plants. So she is a fabulous, fabulous writer and researcher. She has a book called The Drunken Botanist, and it is full of interesting little um, tidbits about how plants relate to alcohol and drinks and Ooh. drink configurations and the history of alcohol. Oh, she's such a good writer, so it's interesting, even though it could have been very dry. <laughs> so I, um, I got the book and I read it and I made a quiz for you guys. Ooh. It's wholly based on the research of Amy Stewart in the Drunken Botanist. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, because she right. talked about some a-hole plants in that other book. <laughs> yeah. Kudzu? The right? co- kogon grass. No, kogon grass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> blood, blood, blood grass. Blood yeah. Yeah. These questions, I think they're probably pretty gettable. Like, you might know. <laughs> it's a <laughs> you <might> quiz. <laughs> I, I can't tell what you know or don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is the oldest domesticated living organism? And this is related to alcohol. Domesticated? Oh. Yeah. Uh, is it wheat, right? No. Oh. Oh. It's yeast? It's yeast. Mm. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> so agave, which is an ingredient in tequila, mm. is related to what veggie? Oh. What vegetable is in the uh, same huh. botanical order? Huh. I'll guess oh. cucumber. No. Mm. Vegetable. Huh. Celery. No. Oh. Artichoke? Oh, you're very close. Asparagus. Oh, it is. Really? Yeah. It's in the Aspergallus family. Hmm. Oh, okay. It's Yucca right is also in there. It's not a cactus. Can you make, does that mean you can make asparagus tequila? That's good job, brain. P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can. Like, she, she goes into, like, how tequila is made and you do all okay. this. Yeah. You could, asparagus, asparagus mead? mead. You could make it. Uh, gears are turning. <laughs> it's like a trick. So key limes, the limes used in lots of alcoholic drinks, do they have more or less sugar than lemons? 
More oh, less sure than lemons. lemons. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Colin. I'll say less. I'll say that makes more. it an interesting trivia bit. They have half as much sugar as lemons. And but they're tinier. Well, by, by uh, weight. Ounce for ounce. Yeah, ounce for ounce. Oh, okay, ounce okay. for ounce. Limes are actually That's yellow. That's not fair! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're tiny! <laughs> Even though they seem sweeter, they have less sugar. Well, that's because they're always in pies. <laughs> yeah, those are pies that have sugar. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what conifers berry must be in a spirit in order to call it gin? Oh. Karen. Juniper. Juniper. Yes. Juniper berries from the juniper bush. So the word vermouth, it's derived from a early version of a German and French word for this herb. And this herb is also affiliated with absinthe or is a strong component in absinthe. <laughs> it's uh, uh, from uh, wormwood. Wormwood, yes. Yeah. Verm- ver is like oh, green. Verm. Verm. Yeah, verm. verm. Like yeah. vermicelli. Oh, worm. Worm. Yeah. Wormwood, yeah. So the worm in wormwood moose? is... Yeah. Mouth. Vermouth. Is wood. Oh, it's like verm. the German oh, okay. one wow. was wow. actually like... It, you could read it and it was like, oh, I could see how that could go to wormwood. vermouth or wormwood. And it's people thought it could kill intestinal worms. They thought wormwood would kill intestinal worms. Yeah. So that's but, that's how so, they were living yeah. then, right? Okay. <laughs> but no. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. There's, nobody, nobody yeah. said yes or no, but that's what they. they it always seems like whatever like medical problem you have, somebody will invent a story about how a certain type of alcohol was we'll is good it. for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, gin and tonic. But that that's one's actual. true. That's well, actual. Yeah. yeah, those yeah. did cure malaria. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't the alcohol; it was the tonic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah let's not ruin it though. <laughs> okay, so the worm at the bottle at the bottom of a tequila bottle or mezcal bottle. It, do you know the Spanish word for the worm? Oh, I've heard this before back in college. I don't know. It's a gusano. Yes. Yeah. A gusano. A gusano? gusano. Yes. What does it mean? Worm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it actually a worm? The things at the oh. bottom, are they usually worms? I don't think it is. Uh, no. No. Oh, it's like a larva. Yes. It's like yes. a moth larva or something. Yes. It's the larva of an agave snout weevil huh. or moth, an agave moth. Is it yes. in there? Is it in there just for decoration? At this it's point? in there for decoration. Although if it's in there, you're probably getting some of the moth or larva in every drink that you have. Mm-hmm. You don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They actually they so they discourage putting it in there because they think it cheapens the brand, and you don't need oh, it. It doesn't yeah, yeah. do anything. Uh, yeah, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It just tells you this is real agave, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I know that one because I don't like because I'm scared of moths. <laughs> that is yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. so true. I yeah stay away from and it. And then it's like their baby is at yeah, the bottom no, of your drink. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> it gets dark really yeah. quick. Yeah. Okay, last. Is there an e in the word whiskey? It depends. It, de- <laughs> it depends. All right. What's, oh. what's the- it de- so generally, generally, American whiskeys, bourbon whiskeys, have the E. Yes. And, and generally, like a Scotch whiskey does not. Yes, exactly. And Irish whiskey also has the E. Yeah. But there the is, I mean, there's ex- like Maker's but Mark yeah. bourbon. They spell it without the E, and that's oh, that's American. Yeah. There are exceptions, but yeah, that's, the, that's the general yeah, it's a, rule. Yeah. It's not a rule. Yeah. There's no yeah. list of rules. Oh, it's so just, there is no... If it's, it's just American sort of how spelling it shook has, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the OED says the American spellings with the E and the the British, except for Irish. Yeah. Or Irish is not British. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have some Irish friends, and they would not enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Europe and Japan and most of the rest of the world is no E. Yeah. I didn't know that. And if you're at a bar where you need to write down your orders, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's time to rethink where you're drinking. Yeah. yeah. 
But I, I just never noticed that there was sometimes an E and sometimes not yeah. until today. I just thought yeah. people spelled it wrong. <laughs> I really yeah. thought people spelled it wrong. Like, oh, I spelled sure. it with an E, and I was like, oh, people just don't know how to spell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like color and theater. Yeah, color. Yeah. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job, you guys. <laughs> really ticking off the British in this episode. Great job all around. Nice. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, last call, Colin. You got one last segment. I do. For us, in the spirit of good job brain, spirit of good job brain, I've got some great drunk animal trivia for you. I haven't. We haven't done an animal segment a long time. I thought huh. I was going overboard with some of the uh, nightmare animals, so I kind of <laughs> restrained myself. Yeah. Right, oh, well, no, I did talk about dead frogs. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. But yeah, drunk yeah. animals, huh? Drunk animals. Okay. Uh, I would like to start off by reading you uh, an excerpt from a Associated Press story. This is from August 2004, uh, filed to Baker Lake, Washington. Bear drinks 36 cans of favorite beer. Favorite? favorite? (laughs) (laughs) When state fish and wildlife agents recently found a black bear passed out on the lawn of (laughs) Baker Lake Resort, there were some clues scattered nearby. Dozens of empty cans of Rainier beer. Wow. Uh, So the bear got into a cooler. Uh, You can fulfill in that blank, basically. Oh, it's not a marketing stunt. Right, no, not a marketing stunt. He got a beer drunk. So here, so the bear got into a cooler, but he was choosy. Quote, he drank the Rainier and wouldn't drink the Bush beer. (gasps) No, well, I mean, yeah, obviously. It's a Washington bear. Uh, Sergeant Bill Hank said the bear did try one can of Bush, but ignored the rest. It was an informed decision. He didn't like that Bush and consumed, as near as we can tell, about 36 cans of Rainier. Uh, they tried to chase him down, uh, um, but but the animal climbed a tree to sleep it off for four hours. Uh, agents finally herded the bear away, but it returned the next morning, presumably looking for more Rainier beer. Well, yeah. The humane trap they set to lure him in the next morning was uh, donuts... Honey and two open cans of Rainier beer. Yeah. Did it work? It did work. Yes, it did. It did. Uh, so they, relo- they relocated him, uh, presumably gave him like a fan club membership or something. So, so this this was the kind of story like I wanted to find like greatest hits of drunk animals, totally. you know, and that that's how I started down the path of researching this hits. segment, and, and not just greatest hits, but I wanted to find some science behind it, like oh, what animals like beer, what you know, mm-hmm. like why. You know oh, how yeah. much beer? How much beer does it take to get a bear drunk? You know, I mean, <laughs> is it? Yeah, clearly, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no more than thirty-six. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that by and large, most animals don't like alcohol. 
you know, if you're doing research on alcohol and like how it affects, you know, the human brain and human behavior, it's really hard to do lab studies because they can't easily get lab animals to consume alcohol. Oh, like, does it taste bad to them? Mice and rats in particular are really averse to alcohol. And that's, you know, like our number one source of lab animals. Um, well, I mean, because like alcohol, I guess, assumes that, that there's fermentation and something's spoiled or something goes bad. So right. They associate with that, like, with not poison. Them, but like that is bad food. Well, you, you know, so like that was my first thought as well. So it turns out actually there are researchers who research animals in in and around uh, fruits that, and when fruits ferment, it is a good source of energy. Oh. So there are there are some theories that you know maybe certain animals are maybe we are wired to sort of sniff out the smell of fermentation mm. because it is high mm. in sugars and high in, you know, caloric uh, input for the size. Maybe there's something there. But so it's hard to study this in the lab. So I want to tell you guys about some interesting experiments going on with prairie voles. What are oh, voles? Okay. They're little they're little rodents, you know, yeah. not unlike a, a mouse or a rat okay. or something like that. But but voles, prairie voles in particular, um, are great for experimenting because not only will they drink alcohol, they prefer it to water. Oh. <laughs> and now here's where it gets even more interesting. They exhibit social aspects to their alcohol consumption. Huh. And so researchers are really excited because maybe there can be some insight into the social aspects of humans consuming alcohol and particularly alcoholism and maybe how does that take root and how do we let social factors affect our alcohol consumption? <laughs> so these are, according to researchers at the uh, Oregon Health and Science University, they'll drink alcohol if you give it to them. If you put a bowl in a cage with access to water and alcohol. Okay, so one, you know, little uh, bottle of water, one spiked with alcohol. They'll drink from each about roughly amount. They'll oh, okay. drink from each of them about half the time. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you put two sibling voles in the same enclosure, each with access to water and alcohol, they'll each drink more alcohol than they would if they were by themselves. Oh, oh pure pressure. Social drinkers. It is social drinkers. Now, and it's not competition for resources. They each have their own supply. <laughs> they And now, Kate. not only will they drink more if in the presence of a sibling bowl, they will match each other drink for drink. Wow. Okay. Very so, polite. Yeah. Yeah. So now voles, you know, they're kind of like people where left to their own devices, some of them will drink until they're literally falling over <laughs> and staggering around their little cage. Some will drink more in moderation. Um, but when, <laughs> when you put the sibling voles together, they'll go from about 50-50 consumption of water, alcohol to 80-20. Yeah. Yeah. Way more. And they'll find the level of their cage mate. So it's they somehow know how much the other vole is drinking. Oh and this is what the scientists are trying to figure out is, one, why are they exhibiting this, like, drink for drink, I'll match you behavior? And two, how, how do they, they know? know? Yeah. How do they know? And they've controlled it, too. They've controlled it for other, like, it just happens with alcohol. So they'll put them in a cage with uh, one bottle of water, one bottle of, like, saccharin-flavored water. Mm. Apparently, voles love the taste of saccharin. And again, on their own, oh, they'll man, drink voles, more than that. Voles are weird. weird. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. they sound like cool guys to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> they won't match each other drink for drink with the saccharin water. They will oh. only match each other and increase their consumption of alcohol-spiked water. Only. 
Wow. So th they're still in, you know, the early phase of theorizing why this is. They don't even know how they're keeping track on each other. One, this is very high level, but one, one theory they're getting at is coming into these studies, they knew that voles are, are strongly monogamous. And, you know, most, most animals are not. So their thinking is that the pathways that lead these animals to be strongly monogamous and the same rewards that they get are maybe tied to addiction. And now they got to try to give prairie voles uh, gambling problems. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll have them. Yeah, it's just vice. It's just whatever vice yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all want to seem yeah. like the cool vole. Yeah. yeah. They all smoke what? <laughs> if that vole jumped off a bridge, would you jump off yes. a bridge? Yeah. <laughs> I would. All right. So that was it. So that's why, unfortunately, there are not more stories about crazy drunken. Bears. I love the bears. I know. I know. Bears can I do know. everything. Bears can yeah. do everything. They can, they can eat Costco meatballs. They can climb trees while drunk. They, they can <laughs> they, like I know people who after ten beers would not be able to differentiate a can of Bush from a can yeah. of Rainier. Yeah. And this bear is thirty five cans in, still making the right choice. Still being yeah, yeah still being judgy. <laughs> wow. All right, and that is our alcohol show part two. Part two alcohol show. Thanks to you guys for joining me, and thanks to you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about drunk bears, about Robert, <laughs> about the weird, uh, the, the I guess, uh, foresight of Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, some cool plant facts, and also stuff about mead. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Squarespace, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.